Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-host Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. So what are we doing for this? Uh... <laughs> what are we doing? We're, we're, we're post, reminiscing. Post QRT. Rem- <laughs> Get closer. That's better. Are you? No, I... <laughs> So, okay, so what are we talking about? <laughs> we're, we're remembering Las Vegas. Remembering <laughs> Las Vegas. We are going to recount our experiences. And the part we... where we were drinking or the part where we were drinking? <laughs> oh, Both and. You know, a little different than the norm. No rules. No rules. Just, Just right. right. All right. Outback style. You guys ready? Not really. I'm ready. <laughs> Baby, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't, can't do, do that. that. Lisa, you need a book. Here's the book. Here. Yeah. We always have Lisa near the bangable stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're the bangable host. <laughs> In many ways. <laughs> Ooh, I'll take that as a compliment. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Enlighten Up. I am here with Lisa and Brian and our very dear friend, Carolyn Mackey, who was at QRT with us. She joined us on our road trip down to Las Vegas from Colorado. And we are here today to share with you some of our experiences from QRT, what it was all about, and some of the highlights. Uh, We're going to share with you some of the things we really remember and possibly some of the things we don't really remember. We're going to find out. (laughs) So um, because... This was a completely new experience for Brian, because this is your first spiritual conference. Oh, actually, Correct. no, it's not. You were, well, you were at Waves the, of Life. The Waves of Life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but how, what was your um, take? What, what was your first impression? I got to say, I was really surprised at how much I got out of it. That, yeah, I mean, Jessica has, has always been one of my favorite guests, and... She's wicked smart, and the the conference. I mean, the 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 theme behind this year's, or they're not this year, but this particular uh, QRT, because each one, I guess, has a different theme. And I didn't know that going in. I just thought they were the, the same thing. But she changes it for each one, which is really cool because there's going to be another one in September. But anyway, this one was about discovering your I am. And I thought that was an incredibly useful process. And, and I, I think a lot of the people in the room 
including the three people that I went there with, are light workers and healers and want to have a profession in this spiritual realm. And that's not me at all, obviously, because I'm doing what I'm doing and it's not to be it's not to be a light worker, but finding my I am and my purpose absolutely useful and applicable to any human being on the planet. And I, I just thought it was, that was so worth the price of admission to be able to go and go through her process of discovering the I am. And then even the, the understanding, you know, how to tell your body what that I am, not, not your body, but to go through and reprogram all of your, your chakras to be on the same page. So your body and your mind and your higher self and everything is working towards the same goal. Absolutely all things that I can get my mind around and understand and want to do. And that was roughly the first day and a half of the three-day event. And then the second day and a half was more woo-woo and <laughs> I was more poo-poo. You were very studious the first day and a half, though. Absolutely, yeah. And then I found the pool. What was your I am? I am successful. And it was it, it, it came to me, you know, it, it, it didn't come to me right away. I thought about a couple of different things. And, you know, the, the process that she has you go through, and one of the examples she gave about how to discover your I am is is to think about what not what is not what has always gone wrong in your life but what what have you always tripped up over or what has been missing you know where where does like the same thing happens over and over again and and what was it and for me I've tried to launch different businesses and they were never successful you know I've been a successful person in my life but as an entrepreneur, as an, as an individual, those efforts have never been. So to me, it, 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 it started to make sense for me to say I am successful. And, and there's lots of I am's. I mean, even now that I'm back at home, you know, and I'm actively looking for an investor, the, the, the I am that I actually say on a daily basis now is I am worthy of an investor because I am successful. I am successful because I am worthy of an investor. And it's been really helpful for me. Mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Carolyn, share with us what uh, your experience is like initially. First, I have to say that I really enjoy Brian's takeaway because I've been curious about everybody else's experience. But very well articulated, and I really appreciate you sharing, Thanks. Brian. My first impression was when Jessica walked out into the well, walked into the room, she just glowed. She walked in with integrity and power and confidence, and I immediately could tell that I was in for a treat because she had so much of what I would like to have or how I see myself uh, becoming. And I just knew that 
she is there, she's doing it, she's practicing and to learn from somebody with her experience and her perspective was going to be a real treat. And I have to say, I loved the whole conference. Yes, towards the end, things started to uh, come, it was it was a little bit looser. It, it kind of came undone towards the end for me. Um, but I think that had to do a lot with the group energy and everybody focusing on it coming to an end and they have to pick up their own energy and move out the door with that responsibility. Right. The energy was really high for the first two days, three days. And then as everyone started knowing they were going home and preparing, you could feel the energy shift. It, w- it wasn't anything that Jessica did or didn't do. It was simply the energy of the group. The group energy, right. And Carolyn, what is your I am? I am potential. Oh my gosh. Can we share the story about how you came to your I am? Because it's so cute and it's actually very typical of what I think a lot of people go through. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I actually wrote down a list of about mm, 15 different I ams that I could see myself as embodying and, you know, really owning. Can I, I just want to interject that the exercise was also to remember or to learn that your I am isn't what you want or what you need. Correct? Yeah, that was, that was actually a very important part. And when, when you and I worked on, on your I am, um, it was interesting because you kept saying, I need, and, 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 and I reminded you, or yeah, I want. And, and so it's, when you look at your life, it's like, oh, I need money. So your I am is not I am money. That's something you need, or, or you know I want. You know, it was it was very a, a very clear part of the exercise to not fall into the trap of things that you want or need. But who are you? What am I? And I was very stumped. There were so many really beautiful I ams that were presented and. I wanted to attach myself to an I am that Jessica had because, oh, it made sense and that would be really good, but I didn't feel it was my own I am. So I did do my list and I contemplated over the silent lunch what might the specific I am be that would em- that would embody everything that I wanted to uh, or I am. And... I went up to my hotel room to get my pendulum because I did not know. Mm -hmm. I looked at this list and felt kind of like, well, I put all of these things on the list. Therefore, all of them are important to me. And I just can't decide. While I visited my hotel room, I realized Nicole was already there. And she she was working on some stuff. And I told her, hey, you know, I'm working on this I am thing. I'm not supposed to be talking to you right now, but here I am. (laughs) Talking. 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 It was a silent lunch. It was a silent lunch. But I broke the rules because, you know, I left the the conference room. I went up to my hotel room. I was getting my pendulum. I'm going to do some work because I really trust my pendulum work. And um, Nicole was, was very helpful to me by saying, Carolyn, you do not need your pendulum. Just <laughs> put that down. Don't. She wouldn't even let me pick it up. 
<laughs> and I actually really appreciate that she wouldn't let me pick it up. So I went down the list. I said, okay, well, she said, share with me your list. And I'm going to, I just want to hear what you have, have on your paper. So I, I shared, I started going down my list, blah, 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 blah. I am, I am, I am, I am. And I said it like that. I am joy. I am bliss. I am powerful. I am. And I just kept going down the list, but Nicole listened and just was, a, she was just a wonderful listener. And she let, allowed me to process that on my own. While I was going down the list, I, I went over, I am potential. And I moved on to the next one. I don't even know what the next one was, but I looked directly at Nicole and I was like, Oh, that was it, wasn't it? Because when I verbalized it, when I was expressing it and sharing it with Nicole, I realized very quickly that the energy behind the I am potential was exactly what I wanted and needed at the time. Yeah. Wow. You, it, she said it the first, she, she went down the list once and I instantly heard a shift in her voice. Like there was a, just a different energy in her voice when she said, I am potential compared to all the other ones. Hmm. And so she's like, well, which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know which one it is. Say it again. You'll know. And so you, as soon as she, you said the first three and the third one, I remember you looked at me and you're like, no, that's not, well, that's not it. And then you said, I am potential. And then you stopped. You kind of, you kind of tilted your head at me. You're like, that one? And you're like, maybe. And then you went to the, you were about to go to the next one. You're like, no, it's that one, isn't it? And I was like, that's the one. Yep. It, it hit the nail right on the head. So that's really cool because we tend to put our power into things outside of us. And it's fun to use these little spiritual tools like the pendulum. I've definitely done it. But there's something to be said about starting to trust your inner guidance. And you choosing from that inner place is so much more powerful and has so much more potential that it was just really cool to even witness that with you. So that was awesome for me too. I definitely witnessed myself and it was pretty humbling, but also very empowering. It was a very empowering exercise. It, it, it set the tone for everything. It was, it was great. Well, talk about your experience because I think that was unique in and of itself. I know. I love how every, each and every one of us had a very different experience. Like not bad or just a very different experience. Which is indicative of this whole realm of light working and spirituality. Absolutely. Everyone's journey is different. Eyes on your own paper. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so my I am, I came up with kind of right away. I had two that I thought that they were. I am freedom or I am free, one of those, and I am love. And they both resonated with me, but so we, we have this silent lunch. She gives us this task to sit with our I am, but no one's allowed to talk to each other for the, for the hour. We have to go eat and you're not allowed to talk to anybody. I love that by the way, because I just generally don't like talking with people. So <laughs> for it to be mandated was so awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, you were kind of a pain in the ass about it. I just wanted to ask you about the salad. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he was not going to let me say anything. Like, you're breaking the rules. You're breaking the rules. So we we have our lunch and we're contemplating it. And I started getting, I don't really even know how to describe it. It's like my physical body just started not feeling right. I I just felt wrong. And I was like thinking about this, I am, I am free. And what does that mean to me? And how am I like incorporating this in my life? What is this going to mean to me when I get home? Like, how is this going to shift me? And it just felt, it was like my body was trying to tell me, no, this is wrong. Pick another one, pick another one. And my head was saying, no, this is good. And my body was saying, no, it's wrong. So I just felt like turmoil. It's so hard to explain. Like this complete turmoil came over me. And and you sat with it all day because that was a like right before lunch was the I am exercise. Right. And that's what I chose. And we went back to the conference and then we had, I think we had another break. Four, but another four hours, I think. Mm-hmm. Of in the conference, it was like a break for dinner. So you sat with it for yeah, I all, sat with all it. Day. Yeah, the turmoil just got worse and worse and worse. Like to where I could, I became like immobilized. And Carol, Carolyn, and I totally noticed. Remember, I I watched it happen, and I was like, "Oh, that's what right. happened, Lisa." I I didn't notice. Carol, Carol. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't there for the. I came in towards, I guess, the last hour, but I saw it in you instantly. But Carolyn, you said that you were up on the stage at one point and you saw Lisa's energy get really small and retreat. Yes. It took a lot of um, courage for me to get in the line and want to stand up and get onto the stage and bang the gong, bang the gong and say, declare my I am. I was kind of in a little bit of a codependent panic. And I was looking around into the audience, seeking my people for my support. And I saw Lisa and she, her literal, the energy field was just collapsed. And I, 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 I immediately wanted to worry about her, but I tried very hard to stay in my, I am knowing that Keeping she, your eyes on your own paper. Yeah, she will get to that. Yes, she gets, she's gonna, she's gonna be okay. I knew she was processing, but I definitely saw her energy field collapse and I was noticing because she's always a very bright light. So it, it was concerning as a friend. I just was like wanting to scoop her up and help her. So I'm glad you stuck to yourself and did, you know, got up there and banged the gong. That was very brave. So that was good. I'm glad you did that. But it was, so it was just kind of getting worse. And I think I'd left and gone to the bathroom. And then when I came back, everyone was dancing and everyone was on stage and just dancing. There were a lot uh, of movement. Not everyone okay, was a, dancing. A lot of people were, not Brian, <laughs> But a lot of people were. And so I come back and he's he's like, he was kind of moving. He was moving, but he wasn't up on stage. He was just kind of by his chair and he was moving around. He's like, don't you want to dance? And I was like, no. I, I that's really when don't. I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa did not want to dance. Yeah. That's something is definitely off. 
yeah, I had no desire. In fact, it was like nails on a chalkboard to me. I was almost like, can everybody just stop fucking dancing? <laughs> You're bugging me. Like, can we all just sit down and be sad? Triggered. Triggered. Echo. So Brian was like, what is, what is wrong with you? Like, why don't you want to dance? And, and I was like, I just don't want to. And I think I kind of stormed off and I went and I sat in the hallway for a little while, just sitting with myself, like trying to figure out what was going on. I'm like, what is going on with you? Like, this is just not right. So then we broke maybe for a break or something, broke for dinner and went up to the room and we get up to the room and now Brian knows there's something wrong. And he says, are you okay? And I was like, um, no, actually, I am not okay at all. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, I just need you to sit down and I'm going to spew to you the scrambled eggs that are coming through my head. Like, because I don't even know what's going on, but I just need to get it out. Can you just listen to me? And then, and he did like, Nicole. I am a good listener, by the way. <laughs> he is. He, he did for me exactly what Nicole did for Carolyn. He just, he listened to me and he asked me what my, you know, the IMs that I had were. And, and then we just talked a lot about, I just felt really confused. I felt, I just had this, like all this stuff came up for me. Like I was feeling like self-doubt and not understanding where the self-doubt was coming from and thinking back to who I've been most of my life, who has been a, just a very confident person. There's been really no self-doubt at all. And why am I suddenly feeling all this self-doubt? And we just started talking about some just, I mean, going deep into like some childhood stuff of mine or just experiences with my um, first marriage and why I maybe had all this confidence before, but now I don't. And, and then kind of circled back to the I am's and, and read through them. When you circled back to your I am though, it was really interesting. And this is when I realized, and at, at that point I didn't know your I am was not your I am, but when you were going through that and then you circled back and you said, my I am, you know, I am freedom because I want financial freedom and I want this kind of freedom. And I, and you kept using the word, I want some kind of freedom and it was just a big aha for me. I was like, well, wait a minute. You just said, I want, and that can't be your I am. He's such a good student. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was a very good student. So then he got me into you know, thinking in a different direction. Okay, it's not about what I want. And then I started thinking about the self-doubt that was bubbling up in me and the feelings that I've had of that, not just at the conference, but the past few months, it had kept coming up. Year. The past year. And I realized it had something more to do with that. And I'm not sure exactly how it came to be, but I came up with, I am worthy. Oh. And that, that felt, that just felt right to me. And when I found it, everything shifted. Like I thought I, this, this is going to work for me. This is what I need. And, and I could go back to the exercises that she did earlier in the day were to bring your, I am into each chakra and to really, you know, 
breathe it in and bring it in. And we did some breathing exercises through each one of our chakras. And I was like, I, okay, I can go back and do that on my own. And, and then I just started feeling right again. And then when we showed up back after the break, it was, everyone, it was an orgy or it was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an orgy. It sounded literally <laughs> no, like an orgy. That was day one. That was. Was that day that two? Was, that was day two. Day two. Oh, yeah. okay. My timelines got crossed. That happens in the fifth dimension. <laughs> <laughs> Stop jumping timelines, Brian. So, Nicole, what is your I am? My I am, I knew instantly because, well, Jessica told us um, that she wanted us to have an intention going into QRT. Right. And I knew what my intention was. And so it was very easy for me to really uh, tap into like what my I am was. So before we even went for lunch, I already knew what my I am was, which was I am birthing. Um. <laughs> Um, what, what are you birthing? So there's so many things that I am birthing, but, um, you know, the healing journey that I've been on that I've kind of documented on my YouTube channel. And I think I've spoken a little bit about on this podcast, uh, the healing journey has been very much a birthing process for me in so many different ways. Yes, I do want children, um, and so that's part of it. Kind of, kind of like when we went to Tulum, that was a part of that process, yes, right? Yes. Tulum was very much a part of the birthing process. And, but it's, there's so many layers to it. So I'm definitely birthing new parts of myself that I haven't had access to in this lifetime yet. Uh, one of them being a very soft and more tender aspect of myself that is very, unfamiliar and yet very familiar at the same time. Um, I'm not used to it in this lifetime, but there's a sense of feeling very at home when I'm there. And that's because I've been in my masculine energy for a large part of my life. And this is all about more about healing the feminine energy. And so there's that. But then I just realized that, you know, birthing is basically taking all of the creation and bringing it into this world. And that's kind of like where... I really feel most empowered is when I'm birthing stuff and I just want to birth and birth and birth. <laughs> like, like creativity birth. Yeah. Creativity, um, new projects. Um, I mean, we're Lisa and I are next week are going to look at the new conference space that we may have for our lighten up conference, you know, and I'm just really excited about creating things and then birthing them into reality. So um, for me, the reason why, and that's actually um, important to say, because I've always been really good about creating things in my mind. Uh, one of my uh, hangups prior to the last, I would say the last year and a half, so before a year and a half ago, was I didn't know how to execute it and bring it into this world. And the birthing process to me is about the physical manifestation of the creation that's in your mind, in your heart. And so to me, I just... Being in that divine feminine energy that I haven't allowed myself to be in, birthing just feels exactly where I'm at. And that was just day one. <laughs> day one was all about the was all about the I am, and and I'll and I'll say you guys have alluded to it twice now. The one 
the one thing that Jessica mentioned, and I don't, I really don't remember if it was day one or if it was on Saturday. Um, but the one thing that we all, that really resonated with, with all of us was keep your eyes on your own paper. <laughs> that was a good tandem response. <laughs> So that's a really important lesson. Probably the most significant lesson from the conference. That's what kept you up banging the gong. So she did mention on day one, because that's what kept you up on stage and not coming over to me and worrying about my light because you were thinking, I have to keep my eyes on my own paper. Okay. So what does it mean to keep your eyes on your own paper? Well, just like I explained before, I really, really wanted to help Lisa. It's a codependent thing that I have going on my whole life. I really think that um, a lot of us get caught up in comparison or judgment, or even as an empath, we want to help others almost so much so that we, we disregard our own needs and sacrifice. Mm, totally. And if that seed had not been planted, I don't know if I would have been able to stay in my own I am and bang the gong and confidently, you know, step onto the stage, step off the stage. It's not something that I typically do. And it was actually quite an epiphany and also a wonderful reflection or realization that I had when I realized I let it go. I let her be her and I stepped into my I am and I just didn't worry about it. And I let everything take care of itself. And the I, um, not the I am, but the keep your eyes on your own paper is actually an act of self-love. That is very much an act of self-love because you honored the moment that you had an opportunity to do something you wouldn't probably have another opportunity to do in a long time. And you also honored the process of what Lisa was going through and instead of trying to fix it, you let it be because it was clearly there for a reason. And so the, the keeping your eyes on your own paper is very much an act of self love and keeping the focus on you because any change you want in the world has to start with you first anyway. But it's, it's more than that, isn't it? It's not just, I want to help somebody, but I'm going to keep my eyes on my own paper. It's, it's bigger than it's that. a distraction, mm-hmm. I, and it it goes hand in hand. I mean, Jessica's brilliant to bring those two things in together because in order to be in your I am, you have to keep your eyes on your own paper. Absolutely, <laughs> it's so true. It, it's like, and but this is this is a thing. This is how the ego distracts us or takes us off our path. Is that it convinces us that we need to do good for someone else versus do the work inside. So it's kind of a tricky little trick that the ego has uh, of convincing us that we're doing something that's actually of service to others while disservicing ourselves And laying guilt. Yes. And not to mention, what the hell was I going to do for Lisa? Nothing. She needed to process. She needed to go through it on her own. And I needed to focus on myself. You know, it's interesting. I, I spoke to I, my son, I have two sons, one in San Diego and one in Phoenix. And, and my son, Alex is in San Diego. Um, Tony, the younger one came to visit Alex while we were in 
Las Vegas, Tony was visiting Alex in San Diego. And so I spoke to Alex and he was telling me about their trip and how, you know, they, they live in different states now, so they don't spend a lot of time together. And they're, they're very, very close. Yeah. They, yeah. They're very close. They've spent their whole lives just next to each other with homeschooling, going to the same college, living in the same house at college, always living together. And it's only been the last two years that they haven't lived together. And so Tony's questioning Alex about the choices he's making in his life. Like, you know, why are you doing this? And how come you're not doing that? And Alex is, is questioning Tony. Well, you know, how come you're not doing this and you're not doing that? And, and I'm listening and, and as a mom, you know, I'm proud of both of my kids and I'm really happy for the decisions that they're making, but I can see how, you know, when they've spent so much time together and they've been doing things the same and right next to each other for their whole lives, like, you know, that that question is going to come up. And so I said to Alex, well, you know, Alex, I think you just need to keep your eyes on your own paper. And then I described to him QRT briefly and what we had learned there. And he got so much out of it. He was so grateful. And he texted me later, you know, thank you so much for your words of wisdom that it really helped him. He was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear mom. Like just, I just need to keep my eyes on my own paper. So it, it's really a great saying. It's, it's very easy to comprehend and anchor in yet profound. Meow. (laughs) Kitty cat. It's a thing. It is. So where do we go from the I am? I mean, oh, I know where I want to go. We had to do a forgiveness. Oh, that was really powerful. Yeah. And so she had us all go onto the floor, lying on our backs with our heads all to the center of like the circle. And it was this forgiveness um, uh, prayer song. uh, And... They, they had it playing, people were singing it, and it was very powerful. And so I was lying on the ground, and Brian was to my right, and I think Lisa was to his right, and I think Carolyn was to Lisa's right. And um, I was, you know, I was just, I was taking it in, and, and I had heard something similar about it before, and it was, it was very nice and very peaceful. And then I heard some sniffles. I heard a little... <sighs> multiple times and I was like is that Lisa or is that Brian I don't it was Brian I, I and you know at first I was like no <laughs> <laughs> and and then I thought, it's got to be Lisa Lisa's a total crier you know it's Lisa you know I, it's not Brian he wouldn't he wouldn't be crying at this I was full on crying <laughs> and then I heard it so much so close in my ear that I knew it had to be Brian. Well, it moved from sniffles to full-on crying. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, wow. And, because and I decided to take it to another level and make it personal. So why don't you remind us what the prayer is, was? Can you say it right now? It's a Hawaiian prayer and uh, mantra, something along the lines of, thank you. I love you. I am sorry. Please, Please forgive, forgive me. me. And it's a, it keeps going through that. Thank you. 
I love you. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I think you so. Sure. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought I am sorry is first. It could be in a different order. Well, that yeah. Well, I'm isn't, sorry. isn't the important? Isn't the order kind of important? Why don't you tell us, Brian? Well, I'm I'm just the the reason that didn't resonate with me is because that's not why I was crying. Is okay. So, the so word then saying that, I'm okay, so thank those you first. Are the, those are the four. How do you? What order do you think well, you went in? But the order was very important because of the way that the reason that it made me cry mm-hmm. is I personalized it and I said everyone in my family's name. So first, Brian, I do said, you remember? I said, Kaya, I am sorry. Mm. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. And then I said, Lisa, I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I went my ex-wife, my parents individually, my brother, and I just kept doing that with a name in front of it. And that's what made me cry because I was talking individually mm-hmm. to everyone that is important in my life and said, I'm sorry. Well, and, and it's really beautiful as well. They they played it. They played it as a song. So let's let's play that right now. Are there any more loving words than those four phrases? That those four phrases, I believe, hold the lo- vibration of love, and them together, just it kind of em- it encapsulates the light and the dark. And so, as like an experience, how you know because that's so it's something so simple that we could have all done on our own at any other given point, but why was it so powerful for you in that moment? Because I had never done it before. You know, I've, I've said, it's, that's not true. Every once in a while, ironically, maybe ironically is not the right word. It happens when I'm in the shower. Um, it, it has a couple of times when I will talk to Kaya. Um, actually, we, we had this experiment once mm-hmm. because of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And it happened when I was in the shower that I had the conversation, my higher self to Kaya's higher self. Mm -hmm. And it caused me to to, to cry. And sometimes I will tell her, I'm sorry. And just telling my daughter, I'm sorry, even though she's not here to hear it is, I mean, it's incredibly moving. And to go through everybody because everybody deserves to hear that. I haven't been perfect. Nobody's, nobody is perfect. Nobody's been perfect their entire life. Um, it doesn't matter if it's the smallest of things. You're not saying you're sorry because you 
beat somebody or you murdered somebody, but you know, you didn't do things right every time. And it's worth saying you're sorry. And I think that, you know, first off, I think we talked about this before the shower, it's this water, it's such an energy conductor. So it allows you to connect um, to the higher self more easily in my personal opinion. Um, But also that also speaks to the power of what it means to say something out loud and Mm. to know that you don't have to have the person in front of you to have the emotional release and go through the feelings of saying, I'm sorry, you can actually communicate that and know that maybe the person wasn't there to hear you in the physical realm, but there is a certain amount of release for you personally just for doing it, which is healing in its own. It's releasing the energy. You know, that even gets to the question I asked about, do you have to say something out loud? It helps. Definitely helps. I was in, on the final day, Jessica, they did this, um, like coaching. Everyone got like 10 minutes of coaching. Wait a minute. You can't jump to the final day. Okay, We're well, on Friday still. But it's important because oh, okay. it, it fits in here. This one woman was saying how she needs to mend her relationship with her mother. I think what it was. And, and, but she said to Jessica, but I'm not, you know, I don't know if I can do that with her or, you know, I guess the, the point being that you don't have to be in front of somebody. The person doesn't even have to be alive. You could have someone close to you that, that has passed away. And just saying those four things can heal a relationship. Oh, Frodo was on the list, by the way. He's my, he was my cat. And he was absolutely on the list. And I've said I'm sorry to my cat before. Because you left him. Because I moved to China. And he was probably my closest companion and friend. He, I told him all of my closest secrets. And he was the one person. <laughs> Being, he was the one being that I couldn't use language to say, I'm going away. Everyone else, I could say, I'm going away. I'll talk to you later. But him, this this person that he was closest to and saw every day of his life, I just left. And you felt like you abandoned him. And then he died while you were in China. Mm Mm-hmm. You said that with not enough heart. <laughs> it's 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 a hard thing because pets, they're kind of like your children. Absolutely. So it's very much in resonance with, um, I mean, it's not the same as Kaya, but it's got a similar resonance to it. There's a certain level of commitment or responsibility that you feel towards them that you do as a child. And I think anyone who has pets understands that. Uh, you know, you bring up a very important thing that I actually was taught this in my early 20s when I had a naturopath, or I was going through a lot of my father issues, and I had a very tumultuous relationship with my father through my teens and 20s. And, um, you know, uh, he was just very hard on me, and I was always looking for his approval and love. And, you know, there 
I had I started looking into the self-worth stuff in my early 20s at that time, not to the level that I did in my 30s, but she said to me, she was, well, what would you say to him right now? What if, what could you do to heal this energy? What if he weren't even alive right now? How would you move forward? And I was like, but he is alive. She goes, but what if he wasn't? What if you didn't have the opportunity to say anything to him and have him hear you? How would you still be able to move forward? And you know, you have to come to that conclusion that if you really do want to move forward, you have to make that choice, whether they're there with you in physical form or not, whether they're just not available or they're, they've passed on, whatever it is. And it just really kind of drove home for me at that time, the importance of dealing with that pain in a way that is meant for you to heal, not so much for them to hear. You know, basically any relationship that you have with anyone starts with you and ends with you, you know, and it's, well, isn't that the keep your eyes on your own paper? Exactly. So you don't really need somebody there to heal a relationship, even a relationship that you're currently in right now. If you do the work on yourself, you're going to fix the relationship. I am totally currently living that right now. <laughs> but, you know, isn't that a... I mean, it's it's it, it's an interesting thing, especially for parents, because parents, as a part of the parenting process, when we're children, not a, necessarily as adults, you sure as hell don't keep your eyes on your own paper. Mm-hmm. You're grading the paper, and you're saying, no, 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 you need to do this, or you know, you're you're guiding, or you're saying things, but it moves into. Keep your eyes on your own paper. When you're an adult and your parent still wants to help course correct, and then you almost need to look at your mom or dad and say, hey, eyes on your fuck own paper. off. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but. You know, Jessica gave a, a couple examples, or she said it a couple of different ways for, for people dealing with situations like that, not necessarily toxic, but some of them were relationship examples or parents. And she said, you know, go back to your life and tell that person if it's, if it's a, if it's a significant other, a spouse, a parent, I need 90 days to, I'm working on my own paper. I'm working on my own things and I need a break for 90 days. So I'm going to work on me for a little while. I still love you and you're not going to hear from me or you're going to hear from me less. And after I go through this process, we'll, we'll circle back and we'll see where we stand. And that's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, you're talking to a parent or a spouse and you're saying time out. And I think there are a lot of people who could benefit from that 90-day timeout because when you remove all of the outside influences that are asking of you, you get to have the opportunity to truly tune in to what it is you want and what you need. And then you have a much better perspective on who's taking from you and not allowing you to give to you what you actually need. But the 90-day timeout is such a beautiful way of approaching it where no one's feelings actually get hurt. Like you're not saying, just 
leave me the fuck alone <laughs> for 90 days. Like you're saying, I just need some space to do me. And when I'm done, let's circle back to this and talk about it, you know, but I need it. I, I will say, and I know I took it to the extreme, but not on purpose. And, you know, I, I joke that I'm, you know, way more enlightened and advanced than you guys. Um, even though I'm serious, but what I went through in China, not on purpose, allowed me to see all these things and learn all these things just on my own. I had a five year timeout from everyone in my life where I could really think and figure out. So just based on my extreme example, absolutely. If any of our listeners are just struggling with anyone in their life, or they need to go through this I am process. I mean, certainly reach out to us if you don't understand it. And, and, um, and Nicole is available to, you know, you can hire her to be a coach and, um, help you walk through the process, but to take that 90 days, I mean, I, I just, I cannot tell you how much I gained from stepping away and really finding out who I I am or who I wanted to be and who I was meant to be. It was so powerful. And I came back to America a couple of years ago and I am 100% a different person than the, the Brian that came to America is different than the Brian that left America. I think that's so powerful, Brian. And, I, and I'm so glad that you said that about your experience with China and walking away and stepping away and taking that five-year time out for you. Because I did the exact same thing with that's moving right. to Cayman. Yeah. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But there was a part of me that knew I had to do this for me. And if I stayed in Toronto, it was for everyone else, not myself. No, I think that was similar for both of us. Yeah. Neither one of us did it on purpose. Mm-mm. We Got the benefit though. Yeah. And once I was there, oh my gosh, like it was like a huge growth. Like the growth that happened was so exponential. My eyes opened immediately and I became so much more hyper aware of my needs, what I truly wanted, what I wanted out of my life. And so much so that a year and a half later, I decided to take that one year sabbatical and completely say F you to the whole world and just do me. And that's when you, that's when you wrote the book, right? Well, that was the Found that laid the foundation for everything that I do now. That that whole sabbatical laid the foundation for everything that I do now, and so um, it's so important to to give yourself time out. What if it's ninety days? Maybe it's more, but at least give yourself ninety days to see what that feels like and what comes to you. And if you can, go away, like like Nicole and I did. It was that. It's scary, and you know that I I don't I would assume you were told the same thing that I was told when I, you know, told people I, you know, I I moved to China. It's like, wow, I couldn't do it. And it's like, if you get the chance, it doesn't matter where it is. If you're, if, if it's in your, if it's a possibility for you move, go, go overseas, leave America, work somewhere for a year or two years. And wow. You can do it. Okay. You're married. You have children. You have responsibilities. You have small children. Well, Uh, of course you can't do it. You can't, but you can still do it within your own household. You Mm -hmm. can still do it. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm locking the door when I come home. I'm going to go in my room and shut the door every day. It just means 
you know, I'm not going to worry about your laundry. I'm not going to worry about feeding you. Obviously we're, you know, I have to still take care of the children, but you know, on the weekends, I need to take time for me. You know, there's ways that you can incorporate in this into your life without going to the extreme. Right. You don't have to spend money is what you're saying. You can, you don't have to like move away or go stay in a hotel. You can still do it within your marriage. You live with this person and you have kids. You can still do it. You're saying. Yes. Okay. So I think the most important takeaway from the whole experience is it's 90 days of going out of your comfort zone. So the comfort zone of you feeling like, okay, I'm still doing my day-to-day. Everything's the same. I'm safe here. I know this. Everything's what I know. If you can take yourself out of that comfort zone in whatever way, for me, I really wanted to go way out of my comfort zone, but I didn't have ties. I didn't have children. I didn't have a relationship. You know, my family, I, I was in. I was 29 when I moved away, so everyone was self-sufficient. My parents were still young enough that I didn't have to worry about them. Like I was able to not have to have those worries. But if you are someone who has people who really depend on you in that way that they really do need you, there are ways that you can do that. You just want to take yourself out of the comfort zone of falling into always attending to their needs. How do you go and go out of the comfort zone and where you're attending to your needs and not worrying about those people? And I, and I do realize I'm an extreme example, but sometimes people need that. And I was married and I did have a kid and I left. That was even harder. I mean that, you know, when, 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 when I moving to China is one thing, but when you tell somebody, Oh yeah. And I was married and I had a kid and and you left your kid. I was like, yeah, that was the hardest thing that I ever did. And, and, you know, and obviously the, the, you know, my story that, that I've told, a number of times and, and I, and I live and the relationship that I do not have with my child right now proves how hard it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm still living that two years, two years after I, I've moved back, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still in that process. And I think that's also important to point out to people that people in your life may not understand why you're doing what you're doing mm. and you won't always get the support. And will you still do it? If you know it's that important to you, will you still do it? Isn't that even, I think even more so, and this is interesting for me to be, you know, I'm I'm sitting here with the three of you who all want to do this, not want to, who all, all three are doing this as a part of your I am, as a part of your life to be light workers and healers and spiritual beings and teachers. And that's not why I'm here. And I think it's even harder and more isolating that world that realm that you want to make your living in and stand on the top of the mountain and say i am and it's even more isolating mm-hmm. with you know especially with respect to traditional friends and families and all these people that are just firmly 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 rooted in the the 3d life and yeah the matrix i mean i had um my best friend in Toronto, um, she really struggled with my decision to go to the Cayman Islands. She, she cried. She broke down and saw me in tears when she drove me to the airport. Her boyfriend of two weeks um, had to like pick up the pieces. Uh, he drove us to the airport and I felt so bad for him. <laughs> but they're married now, so it's fine. Um, but she really didn't understand it. But I had gone with the intention that it was only going to be seven or eight months on the island and come home. Yeah. Right. I nine years. Yeah. Nine years later. And so when I came back for the summer after that seven or eight months, 
And I was, you know, they knew I was still going back to the Cayman, Cayman Islands after that. But I remember sitting, I remember the restaurant, we were sitting on a rooftop. I remember which position she was sitting on at the table. I remember it like it was yesterday. And when I broke the news to her and my other girlfriend that I wasn't moving back, the look that came over her face, an entire body reaction. Disappointment? Shame? What was it? Shock. Shock. She couldn't understand why. And she looked at me and she grilled me. She's like, what are you doing with your life? Why are you doing this? Don't you have a five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? Don't you want children? Don't you want a family? What about your career, Nicole? Sounds like a parent. She grilled me and challenged me. And I could tell that it was coming from a place of pain within her that she wasn't having the friend who she'd always had for the last 10 years by her side. Wait, so that's selfish. Well, okay, yes, it is. But at the same time, I understood though she wasn't intentionally being selfish. There was a part of her that truly believed because she's very much in the 3D world. Right. In that, in that programming, yeah. in that programming of you're supposed to get married and have your career, and then we're going to have 2.2 children in a white picket fence. And- yeah. And she's very much in line with achieving and reaching goals and then going past those goals and all, and, and, and doing so in the way that society believes that we're supposed to do it. And so I was challenging all of that for her, and she couldn't understand it. It was very difficult for her to grasp. And she was in tears. She was angry with me. And I was just like, wow. I mean, it's my life. Like, why is she so affected by me choosing me? But I think that's the selfish part. Seriously. It is. But this is the, okay. So the reason why I'm saying this is because if anyone out there who's listening to our show is really contemplating something along these lines where you may go to an extreme of wanting to leave a city, a state, a country, a continent. Um, I know not Earth, although we all want to do that at one point. But you know, you you will be met with resistance, and that is a yeah. testament to how much do you really want this, need this, believe sure. that it's yours. Sure. And if it's something as small, you know, you're staying within your own house. You're not going to ask your husband for a divorce, but you're going to tell him, "I need." Space within this relationship, I need to have more space. That's as hard sometimes as leaving a continent. I, I would think that would be harder to stay. Like you're like saying, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out in the spare bedroom for 90 days <laughs> and try not to see you." Yeah, 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 totally. Oh, and hey, can you make me dinner, honey? Yeah, there there are a lot of different parameters and like you've got to now daily deal with that. Like when I left, I didn't have to deal with the family on a day-to-day basis. I didn't have to. So there are places where it's harder and it's easier at the same time, just like with Okay, I I have to just give some examples for our audience. So because I I did this and (laughs) granted You didn't go to the extreme. Granted, so marriage. So so other examples where you're not leaving the where you're not fleeing the country. Right. And I was married and my previous marriage. I was married for 25 years, a very codependent relationship. And I did absolutely everything for my ex-husband. But as I was starting to 
you know, feel my wings and feeling like, yeah, this codependency is not working for me anymore. And I need to make some changes. I started to try to make them slowly. And one of the things was just simply, I can't iron your shirts anymore. You know, this was, I know this sounds so silly, but it was a big fucking deal. Like, what do you mean you can't iron my shirts? Like he felt like I wasn't taking care of him anymore. And I'm just like, you know, I, I have a job now that I have to work a whole lot more hours and blah, blah, blah. You know, it just doesn't make sense that I have to take up this time. Like you can take them, like you'll figure it out. If I weren't here, like, what did you do before you met me? Like, how did you get your shirts taken care of? And just little things like that, like things that you don't, you shouldn't necessarily be doing for someone. Like maybe your relationship is a little codependent. Maybe that's why you need the time, whether it be, I do the dishes all the time, or I pack your lunch for you or whatever it is that you're doing for the other person. You can say, I just, I need you to be self-sufficient. Like I'm going to act more like your girlfriend than your wife and your assistant right now. Like, can we just have a, that type of relationship like we did maybe before we got married, but we're living in the same house. Like we're roommates. You take care of your shit. I'm going to take care of mine and we'll both take care of the kids. I think that's awesome. Um, and I think, you know, that's so interesting that you brought that up because doesn't that come up at the QRT where Jessica was talking about, um, do you just want to be the wife or do you want to like go back to being the girlfriend? Yeah, it was actually Jen Ramsey that said it. Okay. And and it was really a great point. She said it that that when when she was just the girlfriend, her relationship was much better. And then as you get married, you're like, okay, well, you know, your lunch is ready. And like, you know, I, I got your soup, you know, lined, laid out for you. And don't and- forget that appointment I set for you. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's just, if that's how you have to deal with it or, or move through it. It's just think of it in that way. Like, Oh, can we talk about this topic? Cause it's an important topic, I think. And I, who doesn't like, I mean, who doesn't want to know more about relationships? I, I, we, okay. We talked about this last weekend, I think, um, about this idea of, and, and I don't want any of our listeners, listeners to think that I, don't believe in the sanctity of marriage because I think it's a beautiful, um, I think it's a beautiful union. But there's something about when people get married, and I've and I can say this as someone from the outside looking in. This is my perception, so I'm sharing it with all of you. That any one of my friends or family members who I've watched go from their relationship into getting married it's like there's this energetic change that completely comes over the couple and it's not overnight, but you see it happening week by week, slowly creeping in. Like it's this carefree spirit that somehow goes back into like obligation and necessity and responsibility and like the fun gets zapped right out. You know, I think our guest. Carolyn might have something to say about all that. Oh, that's right, Carolyn. Do speak up. Do share your experience with all of that. I definitely have had the experience of being met 
eye to eye with somebody who I believed was as free and loving and forgiving as I was. And as we com- as we decided to commit in a marriage, it shifted my energy so quickly. It was within a week or two after I got married that I went into a fairly deep depression. I had the house, I had the job, I had the car, I had the marriage, I had the kids, I had everything I that you wanted, thought you wanted that I that I was told I wanted. Oh, told. Ooh, yeah, yeah, because that was not a dream that I created. That was the dream that was given to me that you saw in, in Disney movies. Totally, and and when I met the person that I thought was my other half, the first thing I wanted to do was keep him. In fact, I asked him to marry me. So immediately, once I got what I thought I wanted, I went into a downward spiral. (laughs) And it was because the obligation, the commitment, and the sacrifice of self into couple dumb, couple dumb. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's a very, did you, okay, did you, you think it <laughs> like I mean, like you, yes. you think about that, like that's just like dead and drew, like yes, like it's like we're also a couple dumb and dumber. <laughs> <laughs> it turned us into couple dumb and dumber. But was it because that you once you got married, you felt like you had to behave in the way that you were programmed to believe marriages were to be, and that you had to give up of yourself? Absolutely. I started seeing his reaction to my loving presence, my loving healing presence to everyone. My loving presence was mistaken for love for another. And so I wasn't able to be the conduit of love and light that I had been and which actually drew my partner to me. Hmm. It became something that he thought he needed for himself and that if I was giving it to others, it was no longer special to him. And so there was the tangle web we weave and it just got more complicated. So marriage was a disillusionment and I'm, I'm, I'm asking and I'm also thinking that happens a lot. I would really, I would like to bet that, 98% of people get married and then realize, oh shit, this is not what I thought it was. And then the kid comes. And I know this didn't happen with you, but I'm telling from experience. And then the kid comes and then you feel stuck. Because you're not keeping your eye on your own paper. And you don't know your I am. You become this couple and you lose self. And I believe that a marriage can be successful if two people decide they are going to do themselves for each other. And and, you know, you're, you're young, you don't know your I am, you get this codependent relationship and you know, we're taught, we're taught to breed. Right. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at what Lisa and I have and why it's, so incredibly successful and why it will 
always be successful because we've figured ourselves out. I, that, that must be it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was going to say it was all these other things and it's because we were married before and it's not. It's because we keep our eye on our own paper. We've figured ourselves out and Lisa has all the room, all the space in my heart and life to be who she wants to be. And I have the same. And that doesn't threaten either of you. Not, no, absolutely not. And I think that's what the, the problem is, is that people feel threatened by someone claiming their own sovereignty. Because in a relationship, it's not supposed to be about sovereignty. It's about union. But this is where everything gets tripped up. It's like when we had Eric Rains on the podcast, he talked about the relationship body. So what in the quantum quantum physics teaches us this one plus one does not equal two one plus one equals three that is quantum physics you wanted to say something brian i well i wanted to one up what you were saying not in a in a challenging way but it's to me it's more the other person has an expectation of you it's not it's and and it's like it's it's like that it's like keep your eyes on your own paper squared it's my ex-wife had expectations of me and i didn't even know who my i am was and there's absolutely no way you're going to meet somebody's expectation and ex- especially when you take into account that in most relationships the expectation that your partner has is unspoken and you can never meet an unspoken no, this expectation. Is true. Yeah, this is true. But here's the this this is but if you want to go straight to the root of it though, it really starts with this concept of union and that you know, we're supposed to become one. And and this goes into this idea of the law of one and that people have this idea of unity means if we're all one, then we're all homogenized into this one thing, but that's not what the un- that's not what union is. But that's a Christian construct, isn't it? No, that it's so not. many marriages are in the church and oh, okay, you're one yes. in Jesus, blah, yes. blah, blah. And so you have these religions professing this to us, teaching us this. And it comes through in not just religion, but other institutions, right? That when you are uniting with someone, it's like it's your other half. And it's like, no, if you go back to the concept of quantum physics of one plus one equals three, you know that you never sacrifice who you are. You have another entity created that is the relationship and it is respected as much as the individuals are. So, so quantum math, which I still don't totally understand in your, what we need, maybe do an episode called one plus one equals three. Lisa is one. Brian is one. Relationship is one. That's the three? Correct. Yes. Oh. See, we don't need to have another episode on it. (laughs) That was it. That's how simple it is. And so when you understand that, you're never trying to mm, make something that it can't be. Because you... Otherwise, it's one plus one equals two, or you have to believe that I have to become half of myself mm-hmm. and give my other half away. Exactly. That's actually, that's a good point. If I could drop a mic, I'd <laughs> drop the mic. And we've been programmed to believe that one plus one is one. That's like even worse. 
Mm-hmm. That's true. Because what I just said is you, we do believe it's like, I have to become half of me. I have to give up half myself. I definitely believe that in my marriage and my ex-husband pushed for that, that, you know, you don't get to do what you want to do. You have to do what I, we have to give up. We have to sacrifice and to make I, this work. I think in your relationship, he was one and you were zero. <laughs> that is a truth bomb. <laughs> drop the mic. (laughs) So I think, you know, when we talk about relationships and why they're not working out, it's because we're so programmed to believe this false truth that, you know, we're responsible for the other person when we go into marriage with them, right? We're responsible for that other person when no, you're not responsible for that other person. That person was clearly able to take care of themselves before they met you. They're clearly able to take care of themselves when they're with you. What we are responsible for is caring for the relationship. And we, uh, we bring our identity into that relationship. And that's where things I think get really muddled. And we believe that all relationships are supposed to be forever, which in the world of duality and the world of 3D, nothing is permanent. Hang on now. I'm going to blow your mind again. Do it. Forever. Forever is a construct of time. And who's to say that this podcast isn't lasting forever? And it's also just lasting, you know, a little over an hour. And it's it's relative because... A relationship can last exactly how long it needs to last. And in depending on how you look at it, it was forever. You're right. My mind is blown. <laughs> Including mine. Very well said, Brian. Well said. Yes. And I think that brings up a very good point. And, it, you know, it, it, it speaks to perfection. And if, and if the universe has got your back and you're in a relationship that you think is supposed to be forever and it lasts however long it lasts a year, 10 years, 15 years 15, before it ends. It's the, it, it's the perfect amount of time. It lasted exactly how long it needed to last for you to get what you needed to get out of it. Yes. The essence of that relationship has done something for you forever. So I guess like, you know, going back to the very beginning, like circling back, let's just bring this all back around to the very beginning of, you know, when Jennifer was on stage and she was talking about how like she decided she wanted to go back to being the girlfriend and not like the wife, so to speak, is is a very interesting um, thing. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be the wife and the girlfriend at the same time, right? We think it has to be one or the other. But one of the lessons that I learned in Tulum, the law of duality, because I had a Kundalini experience while we were meditating, and I saw, okay, this is going to be a little TMI for our uh, <laughs> listeners, but you know, we do on this show, we let it flow and we let it ride, and you guys are on this ride with us. So, Let it flow. Let let yourself go. (laughs) Slow and low. That is the tempo. (laughs) Uh, If you guys have children in the room, I'm going to tell you right now, you may want them to exit. So um, now that you have. uh, Okay. So while we were in Tulum and we were doing the group meditation uh, at the top of the cliff by the temple, 
Um, I experienced a Kundalini awakening uh, to the while I was at the same time bawling my eyes out. I, I you're gonna say bawling something else. Sorry. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so at first I was crying. I was just a lot of grief coming up, and I was just the tears were flowing. I felt all of this grief and sadness coming to the surface. An interesting sensation started down below where... Like in your toes? No, not that low. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's interesting. What's happening down there right now? And I started to feel a very interesting buzzing, numbing, tingling sensation. Battery powered? (laughs) It felt battery powered. I'm not going to lie. And I'm like, well, this is so odd. I'm crying. I'm feeling a lot of sadness, but at the same time, there's a lot of pleasure in this at the same time. What is going on with me? And I realized after a um, session with my guides uh, that I was experiencing sadness and pleasure at the same time to teach me that why do I believe that I can only have one or the other and I can't experience both in the same time? Why did I just tell you all this? Well, because this idea of being the girlfriend or the wife or the boyfriend and the husband, why can't you be both at the same time? Why do you feel you need to give up one for the other? And I think this is something in relationships that if we started to discover and uncover and play with a little bit more, and I didn't use that word on purpose, or maybe I did, but you know, we if we actually just experienced what it means to encompass all of our multidimensional selves at the same time, how would that improve the experience? I think that's really interesting because Lisa Lisa and I were talking about this earlier today, about you earlier today and how you're, and you said this at the very beginning of the podcast, how you're going through this, I don't know, discovery of your feminine side, which 3D Brian hears that and says, well, Nicole's a beautiful woman. What do you mean she doesn't, she's not connected with her feminine side because you're very feminine. But in, you know, in a lot of your reactions and interactions, they are absolutely very masculine. And, you know, until Lisa said that to me, I didn't, I didn't realize. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. And on on a lot of the things that she says, it is more like a, like, to guys like that's like when sometimes when you say something it's like what a guy might say to me and 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 it it, it was like a it was like an aha of of how there are two sides to the coin and how you they're not disconnected if you know it's two sides of the coin but it's one coin well i've definitely learned a lot about the divine feminine, the divine masculine lately. And I know that Nicole is very passionate about that and does a lot of work with that. And I'm working on the exact opposite of, of Nicole, you know, and that's why we're the perfect pair because <laughs> she's working more on her divine feminine and I'm working on my divine masculine, but there's, there's a lot to be, that's a whole nother podcast. Yes. So talking about the divine masculine is so important because I feel like that was an important part of the QRT experience because 
you know, when you're on the spiritual journey and you go into the self-discovery and you start getting all these ideas and you start getting really creative and you know exactly what you want to do and you know exactly how it's going to look like and you can feel it, you just don't do it. (laughs) That's the masculine. And I feel like Jessica was really good about bringing people into their body because the body to me is the masculine aspect of the divine masculine and feminine because the feminine aspect is our spiritual side. And so the body in a way represents the masculine and take that with a grain of salt and take that as a very, very basic overview. Don't take that completely literally. But you know, When you are in your masculine, you are able to execute everything that you created within your feminine. And so I feel like the masculine, she really was wanting to, you know, she knew that everyone who was coming to that conference for the most part had an idea of who they are, what they want to do, how they envision their life going forward to some degree. But then the real challenge that comes in is how do you execute it? How do you bring it out into this real world? Okay. So that makes me... That makes me think of another thing that, you know, with all of us talking, you know, after the, after the, after QRT, something that also resonated very highly with all of us. And, you know, what you were just, what you were just saying, Nicole, kept making me think, well, there's ego. You kept, you kept saying mas- masculine. And every time in what you just said, you said masculine, I kept hearing ego. And I know it's not the same thing. But the ego's a bitch. No, that's terrible. The ego's a bastard. The ego's both. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, did not make it. Ma- it could be masculine or feminine. But when you are living your life, doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, again, I'm not there to be a light worker, and I'm going through struggles in my business, and you guys are going through things, and I know Carolyn is trying to figure things out, and how she is wanting to 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 be a successful entrepreneurial light worker and there are struggles and they're hard and Jessica called it leveling up and and I know we've all talked about it and it resonated really highly with all four of us and I know I played video games um, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I totally played video as Wonder Boy, Tetris, Donkey Kong. Okay. I was all about it. Okay. I, but if, 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 if any of our audience, if you, you know, if you play video games or more than likely your husband does, uh, especially shooter games, when you're playing some sort of shooter game and you're, you're in a certain level, when you get to the end of the level and you face what the, the, the video game programmers called the, the, the big boss, and it's usually a larger than life entity. They have all the powers that you don't have, harder than hell to beat. And you have to get through that ultimate challenge. You have to defeat that ultimate challenge. And then you go to the next level and the beginning of the next level, cakewalk. And that's that's where I feel like I am right now. And I know Lisa, Lisa does as well that we're going through this and it feels, and it feels really, you know, there there are significant challenges. You're not at the cakewalk. You're at the big boss. We're at, we're at the fucking big boss. Time to level up. (laughs) And, and if, if, if you think about it as a level and that level, the time that it takes to be in a level could be years. You could be going through this 
level one, it doesn't matter what level you are, level X, I'm in level X and I've been in level X for five years now. If I quit, and again, you look at it as a, in, in, the, in the, the video game analogy, if I quit and then come back to it, you don't start at the big boss. Start over. You start at the beginning of level one and that's maybe a five-year process. Maybe it was a 10-year process for you to get to the level up. Don't fucking quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that that's the whole thing is that, you know, there's so many things that challenge the, um, I want to say commercial, but also mainstream thinking of, uh, let's call it self-awareness. We can call it spirituality, personal development, whatever it is. But we are taught, especially through the law of attraction, that when things get tough or rough, you're not in the right place. Wait, is the law of attraction the same as hot or not? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't even get it. Oh, never mind. You didn't. You've never worked in an office then. When when you work in an office and you have the office internet and you have everybody's picture, you play hot or not. You know, is this person yeah, hot I've worked or not? In an yeah, office and I, never did that. I don't understand. Okay, how maybe it you have to though. have a penis. I don't. What, what, what's the relation? The law of attraction. Oh, she's hot, oh, so I'm hi. attracted to her. Oh, jeez. Okay, so moving on. Um, <laughs> so, um, what we're taught, though, through the law of attraction is that if something's not going your way and you keep hitting a wall, that you're in the wrong direction, which to some degree is true. I'm not going to say that's not true. There is some level of there being a truth to that, right? Because I often say rejection is protection. However, this is where the higher self has to come into play. This is where you really need to hone your own intuition so that you're not only relying on what people are teaching you, but also what you know inside of you feels exactly your truth. So I think we're all going through something right now where society, all those like crap magazines. Society says get a (laughs) J-O-B. Would tell us to do the opposite of what we're feeling we should be doing right? We're all feeling like, I know this is what people are going to tell me I should do, but I'm really feeling like this is the direction I need to stay on. You know, um, for my programming is telling me like, why do I feel like it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in fear mode right now because I need to just go get a job because my bank account doesn't look good, but I really want to follow my dream, but maybe I should go get a job. Yeah. Or, you know, like, but getting a job, could be turning off the video game. Getting a job could say, yeah, I'm gonna, and you're back at the level beginning one. of the level. Yeah, you're back at level one. And so this is the whole concept that, you know, was really brought to our awareness. And I know Jessica's talked about this on our episodes with her before, but it was really driven home at the QRT uh, conference. And it was that, how do you discern because that's a very important lesson as well as discernment. How do you discern between what is really rejection and protecting you from going down a path that you shouldn't go versus where you're really meant to go, but it's a challenge for a reason. How bad do you want it? 
And how much do you need to overcome in order to get to the next level? Because things get really, really hard and really, really challenging when you're about to make a breakthrough. And that's one of the things that we sometimes forget. Are you on the brink of a breakthrough or are you meant to go a different direction? And that can be a very Mm. difficult um, place to navigate. It's a, it's not easy. They can have similar symptoms. Yeah. And it's really, you really have to go inside yourself. And for me, I've, you know, and I'm sure for all of us, I've come to that fork in the road a number of times. And I just, I pay attention to my gut. My gut says, just stay on the road right now and don't make any drastic moves. Like you're, you're going in the right direction, even though it's scary, it feels wrong, but I, it's going against all the programming you've ever been taught, but just stay here. And I think this is like, this is a very important lesson for all of our listeners to, I think, grasp because we're all grasping it at the same time. So we're all here in the same, same like classroom, learning the same lesson um, from the teacher of life. And that is that, so what we're all like, what we're all learning is that, okay, yeah, sure. There are things, there are general rules that we all understand and that they're, they're general for a reason. They apply to us generally, but then there are specific things that we have to take into account to our own personal lives. And we can't apply the general rules to our life. We can't apply the general rules to our situation. We have to go within. We have to pay attention to our higher self, what our guidance is really trying to tell us to do. And that can often differ from what all of the outside influences are telling us to do. And I think we're all in a in a situation, very different situations, but we're in that situation where we are knowing that the path forward is the right one, but everything that we've been taught and everything who from someone looking outside, looking in would tell us, yeah, abandon ship, like go the other way. But we know that's not the answer. And, and I just want to say that out of this, partially out of this QRT process, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of my wife. She is officially working one-on-one with Jessica to become a coach. And most likely at the next QRT will be a part of the on-stage program. And I'm really excited. We're obviously as a podcast going to stand next to you and behind you. And we're obviously going to, you know, we had an incredible experience. I think the four of us that are here today had an incredible experience. We wanted a lot of our listeners to go. I'm going to tell you right now, the next QRT is in September, September 20th through the 22nd, again in Las Vegas. You guys need to be there. It doesn't feel like you're in Las Vegas. It's at the Red Rock Casino. It's up against the mountains. I've been to Las Vegas like 15, 20 times, usually stay on the strip. This is a totally different experience. You you guys really, really need to be there. It was, and this is your skeptic speaking. It was life altering. And not only that, but save your save your uh, self for for Vegas over the next few months if it's something that you can manage then we highly suggest that you do it 
And then also keep in mind that there is another leveling up coming up next June 2020 here in Colorado. Most likely we're going to have confirmation with that pretty soon. In the next few episodes, we'll let you know. But we are planning on bringing some of your favorite guests here in Colorado and creating not just a conference, but a retreat of self-awareness, self-discovery, and... hmm, Finding your frequency, family, because that's always fun. And lighten up 2020, bizzos. Yep, it's going to happen. So we're getting that in order, and we'd love for all of you to join us. You know, one of the, the best parts about these, the most important things about these experiences when you go to these conferences or these retreats or is that you find like-minded people, you get to experience things in new ways, and you get to share yourself in a way that the world isn't yet ready for you to share. And you are free to do that. And it's something that's very beautiful. And we're really looking forward to creating a space and experience for you to come share that with us. And, you know, create a few extra podcasts along the way. And there's a whole lot of crazy, so let your freak flag fly. You know we do that here. <laughs> so thanks again, everyone, for joining us here at Enlighten Up. And thank you, Carolyn, for joining the show. It was a pleasure to have you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And uh, we are so excited to have you guys join us every week. Please don't forget to share us with your family and friends and anyone else you, you know that might be on the spiritual journey. You know what? We've been drinking a lot of wine in this episode, and it's time for me to do some cooking to get some food in everyone's bellies. So we love you. We'll see you next time, and peace out. Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the Anchor app. There's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her, or you can visit her website, inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.